I'm Erin. And I'm Francesca. And you're listening to The Lady Cave, where ladies do as they please, and we find out how it's done. Oh, hey, Francesca. Well, hi. How are you doing? I am feeling so excited to be back in The Lady Cave today. Uh, Spaces like this are feeling really, really important right now. Absolutely. And the types of conversations we are having in these spaces are as well. Yes. And for those of you who don't know, here in the Lady Cave and on Lady Cave, each episode we profile an inspiring woman who is owning her goals and is creating the life she wants. Yep. We have come out of our long hibernation to bring you five more fantastic women creating a space in the world to call their own. So it's been a wild year, but we really couldn't be happier to be back in our sacred space with all of you, and we could have not imagined a more perfect and poised first lady guest than Kate Cunningham. If you've ever been in Brooklyn, you may have seen a glowing goddess riding her bike through the streets with fresh flowers in the front basket. That radiant being is Kate. Radiant indeed, not to mention ambitious, wise, magnificent, and just one of those humans that make you feel better about your life by being near them. Totally. Just by knowing Kate, you feel elevated. She's not only co-founded a creative agency, but has also filmed over 200 shots in more than 60 locations around the world. She's also one of our first filmmakers, executive producers, and... Our first mom! We are really pleased to have our first look into the world of motherhood, because we noticed a really awesome theme in the first season of The Lady Cave. That we make our moms proud with our cunning, wit, and highly attuned conversational skills? (laughs) Duh! Well, but also about the fact that time and again, when we ask our guests who their mentors were, you know, the women who had helped these incredible women understand that they could change the rules of the game and define their own place in the world, they all said it was their mom. That's true. And that really resonated with us since we both have moms that are really fucking awesome. So now we get a chance to see it from the other side, from the side of the magical mom. Magical? Yeah, like mom magic. It's a real thing. It's okay. It's a thing. Um, Right. Well, with that, please enjoy the magical and magnificent Kate Cunningham. Welcome to the Lady Cave, Kate. Um, We're so excited to have you with us today and want to hear about your path to boss babedom. But let's go back in time for a minute. You studied at RISD. Can you tell us a little bit about your time there? Yeah, uh, RISD was a really, really special place for me. It was leaving home and being able to kind of find like-minded people in a world of creativity was, I didn't realize maybe at the time, but in retrospect, super important. Um, And one of the things that I also realized later that RISD did is had a really strong work ethic freshman year you do three eight-hour studios and you have to do drawing 2d 3d and critique which allows you to talk about work and it's kind of funny being like an 18 19 year old and looking at art on the wall and talking about it but it really kind of developed a way of speaking and dialogue and being able to kind of reflect on what you're doing Mm -hmm. and so I realized that the practice of The practicality of some of the things I learned at school wasn't necessarily used after college, but the way of doing things and the way of the way of working was definitely began there. Um, And you have to declare a major. Um, I really wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I could draw and I was pushed towards painting. Um, And so I declared my major to be illustration, actually, because I thought there was a little bit more practicality there. And my sophomore year, I went to Mexico 
uh, for a winter session. And that's when I realized that I was not meant to be indoors and sitting and drawing and being introspective. I was blown away by everything I saw. I'd never been out of the country before and realized that I wanted to be out in the world and talking to people and telling stories from a point of view of just having the experience of seeing things and being able to relay it to other people or to myself, like a way of discovering. And so I actually went back to RISD and tried to switch into film. But at the time, the film department was 12 people and they didn't have any more room. So I took up photography and I graduated in photography with kind of a minor in painting. I continued drawing and painting as well. Uh, After RISD, what made you choose New York City area as home and a place to start your business? After RISD, I I knew that I needed I needed to figure out what I wanted to do, and I had no idea. Um, I ended up taking some time to do a volunteer program and landed in Brazil, and that was actually what kind of solidified my need to be a storyteller and a filmmaker. Um, I spent three months down there, and part of it was living on a farm in southern Brazil, super basic cooperative of thirty families living in basically shacks. They had been fighting for their land for 15 years. A lot of the babies were born in black plastic tents. It was a really intense, incredible place. And before I left, somebody had given me a video camera. It was a high eight, pretty crappy film camera. (laughs) But as I was leaving, um, I wanted to document this really magical, special place. And so I took the camera out. And the people in the community literally lined up to tell their story. And they would, I spent three days holding this camera, having no idea if it was even recording, like what I was doing, uh, but listening and not understanding. They were speaking Portuguese, but the emotion, they would cry, they would laugh, and they were telling about what it was like to fight for land. And it was that moment I was like, this has to be my life like this is what I need to do so I came back from Brazil got an internship for a filmmaker in Boston it was I scoured ads and kind of was just like it was an opportunity I went for it moved to Boston and met this incredible musician guy and he was like let's go to New York so okay you moved to New York and then eventually um, you ended up opening again studios yeah Um, So can you kind of tell us about that birth story of Again Studios and also kind of the challenges that you faced? Yeah. um, Well, Again kind of has a longer history than what it actually is. Um, My creative business partner, Alex, um, was a creative director at a company called Syrup. And I kind of magically landed there in 2006. I was very into documentary film. I had done some television documentary production here in New York, still kind of finding my path. And I had met somebody who knew somebody who brought me into this advertising agency. They needed somebody to produce some films for GE. And basically the interview went, can you travel around the world with two Swedish guys and make these films? And I was like, yes. I can. (laughs) Um, I didn't have the credentials necessarily, but they, it it was happening really fast and they needed somebody. And I honestly don't think they knew anyone else. And so they hired me and I had no intention of going into advertising. Um, I didn't know what it 
was or why, but this agency was super special. It was very, uh, at the moment I was number 12 on the staff there. And I ended up literally traveling around the world with two Swedish guys making these beautiful films for GE about their eco products, Um, which was, you know, at the time being a young woman idealist and figuring things out, I was a little bit conflicted working for the man, but then I kind of started wearing a different hat and a different lens through what I was seeing and realizing that how lucky I was to see what's really going on in the world to work for an incredibly powerful, influential company like GE and understand technology that's building our world. And that's basically like started to fuel what I was doing. And then also to have budgets, like to actually work with people who are really, really talented, like the best in the business. And I kind of fell in love with being there and in that world. And so Syrup, um, I was there for from 2006 to 2013. It got bought by a large company that was based in the UK, and it was a big culture clash for everyone. I got promoted to global head of production, had a very cush, good job there, and felt, you know, could have stayed, but it wasn't the kind of work that I wanted to do. They, you know, it was a several hundred person agency. They moved us from our little, like, cool loft in Tribeca to, you know, almost midtown (laughs) and I just wasn't into it so I left Um, and talked to a few people about starting something I knew I really wanted to continue doing the work that we were doing in a different way I didn't want to work at an advertising agency and I found it hard to kind of find a role because foremost I'm a filmmaker Mm -hmm. and an artist I'm not an executive producer that just turns over bids for people. I'm not a director that does full commercial projects. I do documentaries. I love working with creatives and thinking strategically. And the world's changing really fast, obviously, with media and all of the different extensions of media and social. And I find that very exciting and trying to kind of figure out how content and filmmaking plays a role in storytelling through all these different channels that has been a really like a passion of mine and I couldn't find a place that kind of exemplified that vision and so when I had the opportunity to kind of come together with Alex and we had another partner at the time and it was just like let's we have to do something it's you know we have the relationships the client work and yeah it just felt really right and fortunately the other thing and it's been something that I think being a woman in the field this relationship with GE somehow magically evolved and I became quite close with some of the women who work at GE and form this trusting relationship where literally they can you know tell me about a product and a place in the world and send me to their customers who have paid billions of dollars for a product and they trust me to do the job and to go there alone and to keep the relationship. And so it's been this, um, it's kind of a, a bit of a security, definitely a challenge and also an incredible opportunity. So how would you describe Again Studios? 
when people ask what again is, I generally say it's a creative studio. Um, it's been a two year evolution of trying to find our identity. Alex, my creative partner is the best designer I've met and he's a thinker, creative director, and I'm a filmmaker. And our goal has been trying to figure out how best to combine our talents and skills into an offering that fulfills what I see as quite a big need in the world today, which is content delivered in a really exquisite, beautiful way with consideration the whole way through. And lots of agencies do that. You know, you'll hire, you'll do a campaign that will involve film and a website and mobile apps. Um, so it's not unique in that way. But what we've been trying to figure out is like how how to actually take the storytelling element and those two ideas and bring them together. Um, we have we've come up with a concept that is exemplary of this and that is kind of an interactive story which is heavy and kind of the design and the the storytelling extensions but also a film kind of broken apart you know Alex and I it's very easy for people to come to again and say I want an identity and that would be passed to Alex's team I want a film that would be passed to my team like we can operate like that but that wasn't our mission. Our mission has been to try and figure out how to bring the two together and really how to work with each other and then integrate our teams. And it's it's a way of thinking and a way of doing. And so it involves like establishing a process and figuring out the right touch points and talking to each other about it and knowing when to bring somebody in. Um, and GE, I've done 40 films for them around the world in the past four, five years. Oh my gosh. Um, they're all very similar format. And I've asked them, each client that I've worked with, like, should we try something different? <laughs> um, and they've said, no, this is working really well for them. And their, their documentary stories are emotional, as emotional as you can get about some of the subject matter. Um, we try and make them as beautiful as possible and kind of a light, I mean, they're pretty fast turnaround. We do them without a lot of brief and just go and create a story. Um, but over time I've been listening to what they have to say and kind of something like they've had different needs to include more data points, to think about certain um, big topics that they're talking about in their business, the industrial internet, like bigger, big data, like things that are happening out in the world. And it's really hard to kind of combine all that into a three minute documentary film that then stays kind of interesting and on topic and you get it. And anyone who watches it can be like, Oh, I understand what that means. So when I went out on maternity leave, I basically briefed the team and said, let's think about what we could do, what we could build, that would be a world in which all this content lives. Every film we go on, we get hours of interview footage. Um, most of it's sitting on hard drives. I have you know, hundreds of hard drives, mm -hmm. not only in my basement, but at the studio, like all over the place. Um, so how could we use that content better and tell deeper stories in a beautiful, interesting way? And um, we created an interactive story that is a home for all of that content. So the film shoot would go as 
usual, but we can get deeper. And then it's housed in this beautifully designed interactive space. And you can tell if you're, you know, a consumer or somebody who's interested in wind turbines, you can go and find out about the community or the person that built them or the technology. And depending on your point of view, you can kind of get as deep as you need to. And then it creates modular content and then that can live everywhere in the world. So that's something we're really, really excited about and feel like it is taking our vision of again and making it into a real practice. And it's not that we are selling a product per se, but um, the way of thinking, I think, is really where we want it to be. And we've been realizing that our clients are really excited about it as well. And it's kind of, when you see the two come together, like you have an idea, we took a big risk and put a lot of time and effort and manpower and money into this, like developing a prototype to show them um, and to have it kind of, I don't want to say it's paid off because we still have time to like, you know, look out to the future and see what it actually does. But it's a very exciting place to be right now. There's so much just possibility that I feel in like the worlds that you guys are integrating and and the type of work you can go on to do with the way technology is developing. And so can you actually describe maybe a project that you worked on recently that kind of illustrates this integration and one that you guys have felt really proud of? We did this incredible project for a black activist group called Color of Change. Um, They have a million plus members, but have been very, uh, if I were to speak to most of my peers and ask them if they've heard of the organization, most of them have not. Um, so an identity was definitely uh, necessary so that they could get some visibility. And we literally spent six months in a deep, intense process understanding what's going on today in the world of activism and um, race relations and last summer obviously was a very intense summer with a lot of shootings going on and um, it's a project I'm really proud of it was really hard to crack and it doesn't necessarily exemplify everything that we do because it was very heavy on the identity part Um, actually really wish content had been a stronger part of the whole process but I kind of just adapted and took a different role in working more with the client and with the strategy team and thinking about how this was going to roll out and being a support to the design team as they were like iteratively going through the process. And um, yeah, I'm super proud of it. You alluded a little bit to some of the process that you guys go through in working with these clients, but um, could you elaborate a little bit more on your creative process and then how you work to develop um, and understand these organizations that you work with often maybe in a shorter period of time to deliver a project? Strategy is kind of important no matter what you do, we believe. It's really important to kind of uncover the essential focus of a brand, um, whether it be a kid's tennis program or a black activist group or a Brooklyn you know, bike shop. And we've done the same process for all of them. Um, or GE, you know, similarly. I think finding the essential essence of the mission of what you're trying to communicate of the story is key. And so we've developed, we've worked closely with some strategists and really developed like a frame so that every 
every client kind of runs through this frame of distillation to understand and position them through our point of view. And then once we find that kind of core discovery um, of that that element that um, we want to begin all the communication on, then everything begins to point to that. I don't know if that's quite vague, but um, no, it's... I th- it's so true. I think that there's and there's like this level of self awareness for an organization even yeah. where they don't fully understand sometimes or see there's like a dark spot for everyone of like who am I really like what is what are my values yeah. And so going through that process is really good even for them to learn themselves more, I feel like. Definitely. So, definitely. I mean, yeah. I think you can have a brand and you can have um, a look, a feel, but if you're not communicating a story, it's hard to engage people. And this is a world where constantly diving deep through the digital web and things come at you from every direction. And what I've been surprised, I think, is in the past decade of working in advertising that authenticity has become kind of the most essential output or like value that brands people it's the one thing that people can actually grab onto and I think that's for us really important for the brands that we work with absolutely and just a little example of uh, this process we've been working with court 16 which is a tennis program for kids. The guy who founded Court 16 is a friend of mine now. Um, He was my client when we worked for Puma. And so we kind of have this relationship over time and there's been trust. And, you know, I also know where he comes from and his thinking. Um, So we started off when he started this company. Um, We did the identity, the business partner, did the interior it's a really really cool space and it's designed for kids and it's really different and it really is very Brooklyn but it's also just very uh it's like a global community of tennis kids it's something a bit unexpected um and you know recently he's been kind of coming to us and asking for more ideas and more help and we had to just kind of be like wait, we need to stop for a second because we've done all this and it's working, it's great, but there's something deeper here and we need to uncover what it is before we can recommend a campaign or say that we're going to do this because otherwise it's not worth it for us to do the work if it's not going to be impactful. And we did this mini discovery in a very short period of time, but realized that through all of um, the ownable assets that he has the one thing that his whole philosophy has is self-reliance for kids and it's not about teaching them tennis it's about being a safe place an environment for kids to be empowered and to learn and to develop and think and having that kind of arching idea of self-reliance really allows us to produce content and work that points in that direction and we just took over their Instagram and are creating content and stories there to be able to speak to the audience so that somebody who isn't familiar or doesn't know will just get the vibe of the brand through one of their essential channels which is social. That's really, really interesting. It's like nothing to do with tennis at the end of the day. It's yeah. Like totally different. <laughs> and I feel like, I mean, obviously this is the world you're in, but that loyalty 
Um, and that even, I mean, we're flooded with brands these days and there's so many options. And so to even remember a brand is remembering kind of more of an emotion or something that like would, would create that loyalty. Um, so it's really, really interesting. Just side story, but I worked at a company previously and it didn't have a name when we started. We had a concept and, um, it was a subsidiary of a larger company, but we were a little rogue and we hired a branding agency to help us kind of develop this piece of it. And we watched GE videos and they were showing us that this is something that maybe doesn't always excite you when you look at like they make washers or stoves, but like this entire story that they're selling. Um, and I just, it was a really powerful moment for me. I think just kind of entering into the world and realizing that like, that's the way my brain works. Like I'm triggered with emotion and that creates a sense of Fidelity. some bonding or some feeling with this company. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah. And I think this kind of like ties into what we wanted to hop into next, which is like this idea of authenticity and then film is interesting because we think of film and we think of maybe like Hollywood and kind of a more superficial version of the world as like an escape and all these things. And you really took a hard path towards documentary filmmaking. Um, and we kind of wanted to understand what that was about. I think this kind of driving of this idea of authenticity is part of it, but can you kind of describe yeah, I mean, I think there's two parts of it. One is the authenticity, the the actual like end result, which is something that is is real, um, but also the experience of making it. I think for me was what I became super passionate about: the, being out in the field, being having the privilege to talk to people and have a reason to like engage and get deep and go there. Um, working on features, you're one of sometimes hundreds of people, and I always felt like I would get kind of lost. Um, I'm, you have a real freedom of storytelling when you kind of get a, when you're working a bit more nimbly and small, and can just uncover as you go. And we've gotten, you know, in my personal process, I've gotten a lot uh, because of of all the experience. You kind of know what you can anticipate things and so you can plan better and you know think things through in a way like it's not all just completely spontaneous but there is still an unearthing that happens during documentary whether it's like a you know for a company like GE or you know we did a project with a wood company out in Vancouver um there's there's always surprises and I really really love that aspect of it Okay, so recently I saw Tavi Gevinson interviewed by Hilton Owls at the New Yorker Festival. Um, and he was speaking as a writer, but was alluding to other creatives and artists that you often are living in the cerebral, um, and that can kind of leave you in two states. So either anticipation, kind of future-minded planning, um, or memories. And so um, what do you do to reconnect with the present, or is that something that you struggle with? Having a child has definitely rooted me in a different way um that is so much about the present I've never been so much in the present I think in my life um historically thinking about the future it used to be very uh blank it was a I really never said I need to be there I want to be there and I think that's how I've been very in some ways fortunate to kind of be open to whatever 
wherever I needed to go. I never would have put myself in an advertising space. And now I own a business that primarily is an advertising agency, um, which if I had heard that 15 years ago, I would have been really, really surprised. Um, so the future was always a bit kind of open for me. And now uh, that I have a child, I really am thinking more about the future. And I think that's also, you know, being a business owner and wanting to grow and having to kind of be somewhat calculated and think about what the what the next five years are going to look like um, and how that's going to synergize with my vision for our family and what we want to do is really kind of great. It's a really different new perspective for me personally. Um, also to be in the moment, I mean, nature is essential and it's something that my partner Andy and I both value, um, being outdoors. I think the most, like, if I really need some like headspace, I go upstate and take a canoe ride. <laughs> like it really is, um, my absolute like kind of bliss moment. And I think uh, yoga practice has been essential to my New York life. Um, it's been very challenging recently to kind of uphold and maintain that because if it's a choice to spend time with my daughter or go to a yoga class, I tend to choose being with my daughter. Um, but it's that's been a very, like from just having that break in the chaos of everything else is super important to me. Absolutely. So obviously having a child is like this radical shift in the way that you think and the way that you work and the way that you exist in the world. But kind of what was the most unexpected change um, after having a baby? I think suddenly you're thinking about someone else more than yourself for the first time and all these other things. But what really kind of shocked you? I think I've been shocked like at least once a day by something <laughs> I'm experiencing. It's constant. <laughs> constantly, the shock's just changing slightly. Um, I think lately it's really, I don't think I ever would have fully been able to realize how much I would really enjoy being a mother and having a daughter. Um, I always enjoyed children, but there were other people's children, and it's just really, really special to like, look at a baby and be like that baby's really cool and we're just she's not going anywhere <laughs> that's my baby yeah that's my baby awesome so i mean you touched on this somewhat but now you like you're saying you maybe forego chances to go to yoga um in favor of being with your daughter after work and you're still you're back at work full time running a business um so is there anything you know, different now that you're doing to reconnect with yourself? Maybe it's not an hour and a half yoga practice, but any moments that you can try to find for yourself throughout the day? Um, I ride my bike every day. Um, and that really, That's there's awesome. just something that, yeah, transforms. I, I miss riding over the bridge. That used to be a really mm. big, you know, just kind of a mental, like you just get a different point of view on the world. Um, our studio is in a park, which I feel like we uh, constantly remind ourselves that we're <laughs> very, very lucky to be on the river. The river has very, become very deep to me. I live in Greenpoint, and I've been here since 2003. 
uh, and I feel a very deep connection to the river. Thinking about moving like inland, kind of, <laughs> I, there's just like this expanse, and um, we all spend a lot of time on the pier. Um, I remember my partner when he came back one morning and he started a Google Doc um, things that Alma likes, and the. <laughs> Number one was the wind blowing through her hair when she's on the pier. <laughs> because it is, it's a really, like, there's just something like a, you know, I don't know, you feel like you're on a boat or something when you're there. So this is this is a fun question. Tell us about a recent time that you really had fun. Um, that's another thing. I feel like it's almost every day, um, especially bath time. It's really, really, <laughs> really fun. Um, it's, you know, being with a, a young, open-eyed child who's seeing everything for the first time and, like, laughing is, it makes you laugh. And I feel like that's become, like, kind of a thing. It's, like, every day you want to have a moment where you're laughing and you're both laughing. And I don't think I, you know, I probably spent years without, <laughs> like, really laughing, like, giggling and being super happy. So that's... Um, yeah, it's been a, a new a new thing in my life. Um, we went upstate on a vacation this fall, uh, early fall, and I definitely would say that was a lot of fun. Um, my partner Andy and I reconnected and just spent some like time hanging out and like sipping whiskey and you know just kind of being there and being with her and uh, yeah, it was fun. It's an adventure. It's like the best picture ever. <laughs> I think that feeling, um, I can't relate to the child thing, but I do foster puppies and the immediate dissipation of any stress or anything that has been on your mind all day when you get home and you see them for the first time, even just with a puppy. So I can't imagine the scale with an actual small human, but like that feeling is it just makes everything melt away. And Mm -hmm. without the puppy there, I come home and I can still be in work brain. It's harder for me to get out of it, but this thing takes me so far away from it immediately. Yeah, totally. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And what's one thing most people don't know about you? I love hip hop. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I don't know. I have a record collection. Um, Awesome. Yeah. uh, Favorite album of all time. Nas, Illmatic. Awesome. Here we go. Brooklyn through and through. Yep. Mm -hmm. Awesome. (laughs) And then our very favorite question of all the questions we could ever ask is, what do the words Lady Cave mean to you? Uh, To me, it sounds like a really warm place where you could just be a lady. Yeah. That's what we're going for. (laughs) We're going for (laughs) Real warm cave. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's so amazing. fun to chat with you. <laughs> thank you thank so, you so much. much. I wonder, will it take me under? Smoking weed in the street without cops harassing. Imagine going to court with no trial. Lifestyle cruising blue behind the water. And that wraps our first episode for season two of The Lady Cave. Thanks for joining us today, and a big thanks to our guest, Kate Cunningham. And if you want to check out all the amazing work she spoke to today in the episode, you can check her out at again.nyc. And if you want to reach out to The Lady Cave, you can tweet at us at The Lady Cave Podcast, and that's also our medium handle as well. Please come find us there. Have an amazing day and week and life. 
All of it. Everything. We'll be back next week with another amazing woman. Bye. Bye. Imagine that. I free all my